Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And the Lakers dropped a second game to the Oklahoma City Thunder in a week, inexplicably, uh, falling 107 to 104 Thursday night at Staples Center. Uh, It was the second time, not only that they lost to the Thunder, whose only two wins are against the Lakers this season, but that they blew a considerable first half lead in the first game in OKC. It was a 26 point first half lead in this second game against the thunder. It was a 19 point first half lead. And it's not time to sound the alarms on the Lakers because I think without LeBron James, without some of the rotation guys that they have, it's natural that they would have this type of letdown, especially offensively where I think like AD Russin and Mello all had solid offensive nights. I don't think like you can't really point to those guys. We'll get into the rough stuff at the end of the game because because he did make some mistakes that were, were costly and potentially cost them this game. But you can't really look at those three and what they did and, and say that the Lakers didn't have enough offensively in terms of their top end guys. It was really the role players. And looking at Kendrick Nunn, Taylor Horton Tucker, like those guys are supposed to be those offensive sparks off the bench. And, you know, alongside Carmelo, alongside maybe a guy like Malik Monk. So not having them, uh, not having the defense of LeBron, the defense of uh, a Taylor, like th- there are reasons why I think, you know, like a, a full strength Lakers team should never lose to a team like this, uh, who on paper is, is probably the worst team in the NBA, uh, them being the, the Oklahoma City Thunder. But even so, it, it's a bad loss. It's, you know, there's no way around it. I think that the first loss was worse, uh, blowing a 26 point lead. This is nearly as bad. I mean, it's it's at home. So you almost say like the you know, seven point difference between 19 and 26, but one's at home, one's not. It's also the second time you're facing them. You should have a little extra chip on your shoulder. You, you kind of know what they're running. You, you can make some adjustments. So who knows? Maybe this one is worse than the the first loss. Either way, it's definitely the Lakers' two worst losses of the season. LA is now five and four, four and three at home. And yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm not panicking yet. I think that there's still just you know multiple guys are injured. There's an adjustment period still going on with, with Russ and, and kind of him finding his way. I think Frank is still figuring out the rotation and who should and shouldn't be playing, but. Nonetheless, like this is just not a game. I mean, Vogel said it after the game. Like this is not a game we should lose. And you know they they could come up with every justification, every excuse, and no matter what, you you should not lose this game, especially in this type of way. You know, it's it's one thing if OKC has a crazy shooting night, someone drops fifty on you, and it's just their night. But that 
that was not the case. I mean, uh, once again, LA had a great start, showed why they had the lead, and OKC closed the first quarter well. They closed the second quarter well. Uh, the Lakers actually closed the, the the third well to kind of give them uh, some distance heading into the fourth. But that's the other thing. Like they had an eight point lead heading into the fourth quarter and lost by three. They were outscored by eleven in the fourth. So it wasn't just okay. They raced out to a big lead in the first half. OKC chipped away in the second and third, and and by the fourth it was a close game. Like the Lakers were still in control of this game, you know, a few minutes into the fourth, and then just collapsed on the stretch. So. Second time this has happened, and it's a little concerning. You know, I, I think we we you don't want to overreact, and this isn't you know time to write off the Lakers season and and the Russell Westbrook trade and everything. Like, I, I think th- there needs to be some patience with the whole situation and uh, s- some macro big picture outlook with, with everything. Where let's look at game forty, let's look at game sixty, let's look at game 80 and where the team's at. And if they're still having these issues, if they're still hovering just above 500, like, yes, then you can make bold claims on the outcome of the season. But I'm seeing way too much of that on Twitter. And uh, maybe part of that's on me for, for checking Twitter and checking my mentions. And and maybe I should stay away from some of that stuff. But uh, I think it's, it's, it's way too early for that. Uh, now, that being said, I, I think a, a couple concerning things right now for me are LeBron James's injury. He's out one to two weeks per Shams Sharania of The Athletic with a, his adop, uh, abdominal strain. And looking at the Lakers' upcoming schedule, uh, you have the Trailblazers, the Hornets, the Heat, the Timberwolves, the Spurs, and the Bulls. Uh, now five of those six are at home. It's incredible how many home games the Lakers have to start the season uh, with, with the lone road game being at Portland this weekend on Saturday. But Portland is a uh, three and one at home. You have Miami, who's arguably the best team in the league right now, uh, top two offensively and defensively. You have the Bulls who are, uh, you know, top three or four in the East. And then you have the Spurs, Timberwolves, and Hornets, who are all pesky, you know, kind of high-end lottery teams that are are sort of kind of pushing into that playoff mix right now. So this is not an easy stretch of schedule by any means, and and the Lakers are likely going to be without LeBron James heading into tonight's game. The Lakers were out being outscored by five point three points per hundred possessions without LeBron James in the lineup. That's not good, but it is better than the past two seasons. When uh, in 2021, they were outscored by 11 points per 100 possessions. 2020, they were outscored by 10 points per 100 possessions. We've talked about it on this podcast. I've written about it on The Athletic. The non-LeBron minutes have been an issue for years now for the Lakers. And theoretically, it's supposed to be better with Russell Westbrook in town. It, you know, He and AD should be able to right the ship without LeBron, run their two-man game, each produce big nights, and the Lakers win. But... We have, as we've kind of seen, like that, that is not necessarily the case. They're still getting outscored without LeBron. They are one and two without LeBron now, with two of their losses coming to, again, arguably the worst team in the NBA in the Oklahoma City Thunder. And if you're losing to the Thunder and barely beating the Spurs, what are you going to do against the Trailblazers without LeBron? 
what are you going to do against the Heat? What are you going to do against the Bulls? Like, it, this could get ugly for at least th- this next stretch that LeBron is out. Now, of course, you you want to preserve LeBron's health. And, and the, you know, first and foremost, that that is the most important thing for the Lakers, where if he's not healthy, you, you don't have a chance, right? You, you, it doesn't matter if you're the one seed. Like, you're not winning a championship without LeBron well, first off playing, but but also as close to 100% as possible. So it makes sense that the Lakers are going to be cautious and conservative with LeBron's injury, but it's just unfortunate that it felt like he and Russ were, were taking a step together the, these past couple of games. And yes, it was the Cavs and yes, it was the Rockets, but I, I still think, you know, with, like, it was funny, I, I wrote about them, them being the Rockets and, and having, you know, a three-game winning streak and like, them kind of starting to find their stride and people were like, Oh, it's the Rockets. And you know, it's, it doesn't really mean anything. And I, I disagree. And I don't think it meant much, but winning is better than losing. And the Lakers up to that point had been losing. And most, you know, one of those games was without LeBron, but I just, I think, you know, they were starting to build a, a chemistry and a synergy on the floor that they had not really shown in the first few games together. So I think LeBron being out not only affects the Lakers record, but it also affects the chemistry and, and synergy that was building between LeBron and Russ. And that's unfortunate. Now, the second thing is that uh, Anthony Davis ended up spraining his right thumb against the Thunder in the first half, uh, right before halftime. He, I believe it was with Shea Gilders Alexander. I'm not exactly sure. But there was a, a loose ball situation. The Thunder player ripped the ball out of AD's hands, also ripping his finger and, and hand in the process. So AD entered halftime, uh, clutching his hand, was clearly in pain, did not start the third quarter with the team. Melo started in his place. AD returned a couple minutes into the third and, and played the rest of the game. But it clearly affected him the rest of the way. He had a monster first half of, uh, eight. I think it was 18 and 12, ended up finishing with, with 29 and 18. So w- was not as effective in the second half. The Lakers did not feed him as much. And after the game, he's he, he told uh, the media that he's fine. His thumb is fine. But when asked a follow-up question about his availability for uh, Saturday's game in Portland, AD said that he's not sure. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see how my hand feels. So I think, you know, that is, <laughs> I mean, if LeBron's already out and now you lose AD, like you're just going to chalk, you know, chalk up the next game to an L where I, I think your know, Lakers are in trouble, but AD kind of continues to battle different Knicks and Knacks seemingly each game. And, uh, you know, I, I think hopefully for the Lakers sake, like th- this isn't something that's serious, but it is something to monitor and you know, we'll, we'll see if he ends up playing. I assume so because he was able to play, you know, he was able to return. He played through it in the second half. I, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to go on Saturday, but you know, unless he was just trying to be difficult with his answer uh, and, you know, seeing his face when he said it, I, I don't think he was, uh, but if he was, then, you know, he, he's just being difficult, but maybe there is some uncertainty on that, but I, I think he most likely will play. Uh, now it is a one game road trip and, and sometimes teams choose, if a player is dealing with something, they choose just not to send them for that one game road trip. It's easier for the player to, to stay home. But 
I also think the Lakers aren't really in a, in a you know, five and four. They're not really in a position to just kind of give up a game in Portland, even if they might be slight underdogs heading into that one. So we'll monitor the LeBron and AD injuries. Those are really the two things that are most important right now. Like, you know, we could quickly touch on the game, uh, some box score stuff. Uh, again, AD had 29 and 18, two blocks, 11 and 20 shooting, really nice performance from him. Russ had 27 points on 10 and 23 shooting, made three of six threes and four of four from the free throw line, added six rebounds, five assists, also four turnovers. And Russ had a really rough ending to this game, had a possession in transition with about 20 seconds left where he tried to do a gather kind of Euro step move and just turn the ball over. It literally just slipped out of his hands, went out of bounds. And that's kind of the Russell Westbrook experience at this point, right? Like he pushes the ball in transition and is about to execute this sick move that only a handful of players in the league can do. And because he's going so fast and, and, and moving at hundred miles per hour, he's also out of control and that's how he turns the ball over. Uh, and then the, the next defensive possession, the, uh, or the final defense possession, uh, I, forgetting the order here, but Russ is defending Lou Dort and the Lakers have to foul and Shea Gilgis Alexander gets the ball. Russ is about, I don't know, 10, 12 feet from him. There's several Lakers in between Russ and Shea, but Russ for some reason just leaves Lou Dort runs towards Shea, but is, is kind of in no man's land. He's not close enough to double or trap him. He's not close enough to foul him. And Shea just fires a bullet pass right to Lou Dort, who cuts to the basket, gets a wide-open dunk. And it's just a mind-boggling defensive decision from Russell Westbrook, who is defending the la- you know, the, the guy closest to the basket. Russ is the last line of defense. And he just runs towards the ball, leaving the guy wide open. And, and it's just, I, I don't understand the, the thought process there. He was asked about it after the game. He said he has to rewatch the film to figure out what went wrong. And it's like, I mean, that, that to me is a, is a place where he should take accountability for that. Mello had 21. Well, and then the final thing was Russ took, uh, took a, a three pointer, uh, in transition on the last offensive possession for the Lakers. When, uh, the Lakers had actually designed a, a set for Mello to take the shot and Russ decided to take it, of course, missed. And yeah, so it was really three, back-to-back-to-back poor decisions and outcomes from Russ. I guess, you know, the turnover ball slipped out of his hands. Like, it's kind of hard to pin that on him. But I think the three-pointer and the defensive mistake were totally on him. And, you know, this loss is is not solely on him. Uh, You know, there was 80s injury and and some of the defense and, and missing LeBron and, you know, some of the performances by guys. But... You know, Russ deserves a, a slice of that blame and, uh, you know, was really poor down the stretch of this game. Uh, Melo had 21 and 8 of 18 shooting, 5 of 10 from 3. And that was kind of an issue as no other Laker was in double figures. And this has kind of been a, a recent thing where the offense is very concentrated right now on LeBron, AD, Russ, and Melo. No one else is scoring consistently. No one else is really a threat. You have Kent Bazemore and, and DeAndre Jordan combining for three points on zero of six shooting as the other two starters. 
or, or two of the other three. Avery Bradley had nine points. To be honest, I didn't really like his shot selection in this game. Uh, I, I thought he, you know, he, had, he had a three early where he, he kind of came off a screen and took like a pull-up three, which he should never take. Uh, but but I, I think Avery Bradley secretly kind of looks for his own shot a little bit too much. Did have some nice cutting and, and did hit a, hit a you know a big three late in the game. But for for, for my taste, I think some of AB's shots are just not good. Uh, Dwight was impactful in eight minutes. It was a plus eight in eight minutes. I'm not sure why he played fewer minutes than DeAndre Jordan. It's probably a separate topic for a a separate pod, but. I think it's it's one thing if if you think DeAndre Jordan needs to be the token big man starter, which again, like I I think AD should be starting at the five. All the data backs that up. But if if you want to start DeAndre Jordan, that's one thing. But my issue with, with sort of the dynamic right now is that DeAndre Jordan is not only starting over Dwight Howard, but often playing more minutes than Dwight Howard. And based on the way Frank has discussed it, he's kind of admitted through coded language that Dwight Howard is better than DeAndre, but he he just likes Dwight in that second unit role against backup bigs and him just dominating, you know, physically dominating second units. And there's been some cases where Dwight has played a little bit more than DJ, but a night like tonight where DJ plays more than Dwight, I, I just don't get it. And if you're going to go smaller, it should be at the expense of DeAndre Jordan, not at Dwight Howard. But again, different conversation for different day. We will get into it. Uh, Rajon Rondo was particularly awful tonight. 0-4 shooting, had four assists, but also three turnovers. Was a minus seven in his 15 minutes. Uh, his, his minutes were very costly. And we see that he plays when LeBron is out. But with the way he's played this season, he's battling DJ for the least effective Laker right now. And I think it's 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 getting time for those two guys to be out of the rotation. Wayne Ellington made his debut. Went one for six, one of five on threes. Only had three points. But I like the way they used him offensively. I thought he got a lot of good shots. And he's yet to shoot the ball well as a Laker. But I think it's going to come eventually. I mean, he has the track record of being an elite shooter. I'm not too worried about Wayne. And again, I like the way that they used him. I like his confidence. I like the shots he was, he was getting and taking. And I think big picture, Wayne's going to fit in fine. Austin Reeves closed this game. Uh, actually played the second most, most minutes off the bench, 22 minutes. Had eight points, hit a big three late as well. And continues to be a solid two-way contributor. Other notes, Lakers were outscored in fast break points and points in the paint. That's all you really got to know. Also points off turnovers, like all three of those things going in the Thunder's way like that. that Those are ingredients for a Lakers win is getting out on the break, getting out in the paint and creating turnovers, wreaking havoc and then making teams pay. So the fact that the Thunder kind of beat them at their own game is troubling for the Lakers. But that's all I have to really say off of this game. Again, a disappointing outcome, an embarrassing outcome, quite frankly, uh, and speaking of Frank, I know people are gonna, people are coming after Frank Vogel. I, I'm seeing it constantly uh, in, in comments on the Athletic and, and comments on Twitter. People are blaming him for this. Uh, I don't think he's perfect. I, I don't think he's not to blame. But I think a lot of this, in my opinion, a lot of this to me is, is circumstantial, which is missing LeBron for three games, 
I think if LeBron was healthy and played all three of those games, the Lakers win all three. They are eight and one, or at worst seven and two. Maybe they drop one of them, and we're talking about this team completely differently than we are right now. But because LeBron missed those games, they dropped the two Thunder games. All of a sudden, it's panic. And look, if, if like on the one hand, they should not lose without LeBron to a team like the Thunder. On the other hand, if they don't have LeBron in the playoffs against the Suns, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Mavericks, the Blazers, like whoever they're playing, it doesn't really matter. Like like who they're playing. Like if LeBron's out, they're going to most likely lose that series or, or that game. So on the one hand, like it's inexcusable to lose even without LeBron. On the other hand, I, I would be much more concerned if LeBron had played and they had lost because that, that that's a whole different story. So I just think that Frank is starting to become the scapegoat and I personally can't get behind it. Now, I will say I disagree with him on the starting lineup. I think that DeAndre Jordan has been the least effective uh, Laker rotation player this season. I think he's basically wasting minutes in the starting group and he should not only be moved to the bench, but probably moved out of the rotation entirely. And I really... I think there's a big enough gap between DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard currently that you can't just say, oh, they're kind of similar and like we like Dwight better with the starters. I mean, we like DeAndre better with the starters. We like Dwight better with the bench. Like, no, it's really at the point where like one of them should be playing and one of them shouldn't be. So if you want to go big, I think you got to start Dwight. My personal preference would be starting AD, but uh, at the five, but you know, that that's, I, I think, especially with LeBron out, it is kind of tougher to go with these smaller lineups with no Ariza, no LeBron. And with Melo's defensive limitations, you go with him at the four, you're really giving up a lot defensively. So I get it at least when LeBron is out, why you go bigger. But I just, I don't think DeAndre Jordan is the answer. I also think Rajon Rondo has been uh, particularly problematic this season. He, he's, again, kind of pushing DJ for least effective Laker. Uh, I would have liked to see more Wayne Ellington tonight. I would like to see more Dwight tonight. And I think there's there's still got to be a little bit of a better balance with some of these lineups where, uh, like you, you saw even in the fourth, there was a lineup with no, like AD and, and Russ started the fourth together. And then there was like a two minute stretch where both guys were off the floor and you should not have, like those guys should be staggering where they're never both off the floor. Uh, and that, that was a stretch where the Thunder started to cut into the lead and kind of take control of the game. So I think there are things that can be improved in the rotation. I think the starting lineup can be better. Uh, and people complain about the offense. Like they're 12th in offense. The, the real, and you know, this wasn't a great offensive game, but the real issue to me is the defense. And that is a roster construction thing more than anything, because I think there's a bunch of average to below average defenders on this team. And guys that even, you know, just kind of their base talent and ability and level is average to below average. And their decision-making, when even put in the right positions, they can't, there are limitations that certain guys have. And it's just, that's the way this roster was designed. They went offense over defense. And I I think it's kind of costing them a little bit here. So personally, I don't put that on Frank. He didn't design this roster, Uh, but for for me, like, I think it's roster construction first. It's circumstance second. 
and then it's the coaching and Frank Vogel third uh, in terms for me, at least uh, in terms of blame, but uh, we, we'll see. I mean, it's interesting stretch coming up for the Lakers. This, this game in Portland is big over the weekend. Uh, then a, a home five game home stretch before going on the road for five games. So uh, a lot to talk about in the coming days and weeks. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Yovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening right now. And if you've not subscribed to The Athletic, you can do so by going to theathletic.com or subscribing off of one of my stories on Twitter. Thanks again, and I will talk to you guys next week.